You know, it's a special Sunday to be able to be here. And I know not a lot of people don't think as much about this Sunday. They think more about uh, next Sunday, which Resurrection Sunday. And, um, uh, and, but I, I really think we ought to focus in on, especially in, in, in conjunction with the revival, about what this week is all about. Um, this is known in the scripture as uh, Palm Sunday. And um, I don't know that the average Christian knows exactly what Palm Sunday is really all about. You can grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 21, if you would. And um, we're going to read a few verses of scripture there in just a moment. But, you know, I find it interesting that uh, the Lord devotes over a third of the Gospels to the time period from Palm Sunday till the Great Commission until he goes up to heaven. Of the 89 chapters in the Gospels, 31 of them are devoted to that time period. That's a lot of time to be devoted to one short period and you consider the life of 33 years of the Savior. Matthew 21, uh, where we're going to begin reading through Matthew 28, Mark 11 through Mark 16, Luke 19 through Luke 24, and John 12 through John 21. All those time periods were all dealing with this week. So it's an important week. Um, if the Lord put that much emphasis on it, we better try to understand why he did. Amen. And of course, we know the greatest thing is about the resurrection. I understand that. But think about the things leading into that. Matthew chapter 21 and... Um, Verse number one says, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, they unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples saying unto them, go into the village over against you and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say the Lord hath need of them and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. And they set him thereon and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed uh, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, really is what we think about when we think about Palm Sunday. It's the strowing of the uh, palm branches in the way for Christ. Uh, that was a recognition or was a sign of honor or a recognition of a king. And they would do that when a king would come in. Uh, notice they called him prophet, though. And, uh, they, uh, but they honored him as a king. So this is also known as the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. However, we know uh, the scriptures here say that he came in meek and sitting upon an ass. We know there's a day coming yet, amen, that he'll part the eastern sky and he'll come back riding on a white horse, amen. And uh, that will be the true triumphal entry, amen, when he returns. But uh, to the people, I want you to think about this, Palm Sunday was all about Christ. And it was about honoring this person who was a prophet who they didn't know exactly everything about. Um, but I want you to, I want to show you something this morning in the next few verses. And what's that, Brother Martin? Uh, what I want to show you this morning is that to Jesus, Palm Sunday 
was all about what he taught the church. You say, what do you mean? There's three things that happened right after this. When he came into town on that Sunday, um, three things followed this. And I think those three things are very important for us to get a hold of uh, today. So I, I want to just speak for a few moments on what Jesus taught on Palm Sunday. What Jesus taught on Palm Sunday. Father, I thank you for the privilege again to be able to be here today. I sure love these people, Father, and, and I love Preacher. And uh, thank you for the time that we spent together and worked together for you. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless this church and help it to become everything that you long for it to be. And Father, I pray that as we're here together for the next few days, that you would, Lord, help my heart to be in tune with your spirit and that you would accomplish what you want to in all of our lives. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to my heart and to the heart of each and every one that sits here this morning. Help us to get the truth out of this passage of scripture. And Lord, may we apply it to the church the way that we should. And uh, Father, maybe uh, make some changes in our life to get to where we need to be. I pray that if there's somebody that sits in our midst this morning that has never really been born again, that they have no idea if they died today, they'd go to heaven. That God, today, that you would do the work only you can do and that you would prick their heart. You would cause them to be convicted and understand that they need a savior and that Jesus is that savior that will take them to heaven. Lord, please help them to be saved before it's eternally too late. And again, do the work that only you can do and we'll be careful to give you the glory for it. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I don't think the message is gonna be real long and everybody says when a preacher says that, look out. But um, I, I don't think it will be that long. So just bear with me here if you would. Now I'm using, uh, uh, I forgot to bring my watch. So I'm using my wife's watch and by hers, it's already 12 o'clock. Uh, don't worry, I'm still gonna preach a little, I'm still gonna preach a little bit, okay? But uh, anyway, as we begin to read here in uh, uh, verse number 12, as we continue the passage, we find out some of the things, the three things, just three things that I think he was trying to emphasize to the church. Verse number 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. First thing I believe that Jesus was trying to teach the church when he came in and on that Palm Sunday was simply this, it's time to get back to prayer. It's time to get back to prayer. When he made that statement that my house is to be uh, called the house of prayer, that was a statement in, in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7, about that the church of God, the temple, should be a house of prayer. I wonder if ours is. Uh, interesting, again, sidelight is that when he came in, it says that he overthrew the, everybody always says Jesus was all peace and quiet, and then he never... <laughs> It doesn't sound like he was peace and quiet right here. I mean, it tells us that he uh, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the, and the seats of them that sold doves. And uh, what was he doing? I think a, a sidelight to what he was doing here, he was trying to say that you've made the church, the temple, something that it's not supposed to be. You, you're, you're making the church and the temple something that's for your own profit, not for the Lord's. The church has nothing to do with our own profit. You say, what are you saying? trying to say, Brother Martin? It's interesting to me that so many people today, uh, uh, our focus of church is, I go to church for what church can do for me. 
for my profit? What can it bring to me? What can it accomplish for me? But that's never what church was supposed to be about. Amen. Gather, the gathering together of the church. It's not supposed to be about that. It's about, about what the Lord wants to do through us and use us and, and accomplish what he wants to. And, and again, this thing about uh, coming in and clearing the temple out, it's in the, uh, there was, this, was, this happened also at the beginning of Christ's earthly ministry. And if you'd go to uh, John chapter two, uh, you'd see that the first time this took place, I mean, it's interesting, he started his earthly ministry and he ended his earthly ministry the same way. What? Trying to clean the house of God up. Amen. Amen. What do you mean? Man, the house of God needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be kept straight. Amen. And we need to be a house of prayer. In uh, John chapter two and verse number 13, it says this, and the Jews Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of the money uh, sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and uh, said unto them that sold doves, take those things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Uh, what are you saying? Uh, uh, Jesus was very uh, uh, per, uh, persistent about this, about what he was trying to do. What? Hey, keep the house of God what it's supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Again, I see a world today and I see a lot of churches today that the shift is all gone to what can I do to try to meet the needs of people to draw them to not a social manner, not, not trying to present the truth of the word of God, not trying to preach truth, not trying to help people to grow and to become what they should be, but what can I do to just get people in? Amen. That, that focus is all about trying to meet the heart need or the heart uh, feeling of a lot of people that just want something for themselves. It's all about them. Let me tell you something. If we promote it that way, the church that way, the church is never going to grow or accomplish what God wants it to. But what are you saying? I'm saying what he was saying here is that we need to get back to prayer. Amen. How much does prayer mean to you? How much does prayer in the church mean to us? Are we devoting what we, the time that we should in the house of God to prayer? Um, I think about the emphasis that the Lord puts on prayer all throughout the scriptures. Pray without ceasing. Are we, are we living that kind of life? Does prayer mean that much to us? Are, are we devoting our lives to prayer? That's what the church is all about. We as a church ought to be praying. We ought to be praying for our missionaries. Amen. You ought to pray for your missionaries by name. You ought to, uh, we ought to be praying for one another. When the prayer, when a prayer list comes out, uh, we ought to follow that prayer list. We ought to pray down for people. We ought to, why? Because God want, works through prayer. Prayer, understand that prayer is such a part of the church because it shows God that we depend upon him. Prayer is all about our dependency upon him. It's, and, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of different definitions of prayer. Well, prayer is just simply asking and receiving. But it's, not, it's more than that. Prayer is a relationship. It's our relationship with the Lord. It's our showing him that we really truly need him, that we depend upon him, that we can't do what needs to be done and, and, and things to happen. We need him to intervene. Amen. As in and health and sickness and the other things that we deal with. And, man, I'm telling you what, it's all about God. Amen. People say, well, it's, you know, it's about the, that, uh, you know, if I get the right doctor, 
Man, there's only one right doctor, amen. And, and uh, God does give people uh, uh, um, uh, the abilities to be able to help people and, uh, and I believe that with all my heart, but well, we better keep our eyes focused on who it is that does the healing, amen. It's God that does that. What are you saying? Prayer ought to be so important to us. I, I've said this before, but years ago when I helped start the Bible college up in uh, um, northern Michigan, uh, I, uh, I did a little class with the students, incoming students, and it was about trying to teach them how to walk with God. And, and uh, in that class, I asked them, I gave them a little self-examination quiz to ask themselves. And one of the questions on it was simply, how much does prayer mean to me? And if I would read all those responses to you, it'd be probably the same thing that you would say t- today. What? Well, oh, it means everything. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's everything to me to be able to talk to God and be able to... But then the very next question I asked him, so how much time do you put into it? And I gave him blocks of time from zero to 10 minutes. And and the majority of all of them put zero to 10 minutes. And then I asked him the question, why? And they said, they just don't take the time to do it. What are you saying? These are kids who are coming to Bible college to go off and serve the Lord with their lives. And and listen, that's just a showing of where we are at today about how much prayer really means to us. And prayer ought to be, prayer ought to be uh, uh, as I said, pray without ceasing. It ought to be on, the, on our lips continually. We ought to be continually have a hard attitude of prayer. That's what the house of God is really all about. That's what church is all about. Amen. Bringing people together and trying to see the Lord do what he can. Personal prayer, corporate prayer. I, uh, I don't see it as often as what we used to see it. It used to be Wednesday night was called Prayer meeting. And majority of churches, I, I'll tell you this, when I, when I first got into church, really, and began to grow a little bit, uh, I, I started in a church, I was in the military at the time, and started in a church in uh, Rhode Island. I was uh, stationed in Newport, Rhode Island. And a man was starting a church in his home. And uh, so it was just a little church plant there, but we had about 25 or 30 people that would show up at his house. And uh, on Wednesday night, it was always that he would get together, he would have a short message, something really short, and we would, we would divide up, the women would stay in the house, the men would go to the garage, that's the way we always get treated, but anyway, we'd, we'd go to the garage, the ladies would stay in the house, and for the next 45 minutes, we would pray. And we'd continue. To, listen, that's really, that's how I begin to learn how to really, truly pray, intercessory prayer. Praying for other people. I mean, and people, you say, well, how do you pray for 45 minutes? <laughs> Man, when you get together with a group of people that are truly earnestly seeking after the Lord, uh, 45 minutes can seem like nothing. Amen. Amen. I've been in prayer meetings. I've been in all night prayer meetings. I've been in prayer meetings where church met, where churches have prayer at night uh, on uh, a Saturday night before uh, the Sunday services. And I've been in those. I've been involved in those where I've seen prayer last for three hours that night before the Sunday morning. When we start talking about stuff like that, how does our prayer life look and how, does our, how do we look as a church Amen. in this matter of prayer? We're supposed to be a house of prayer. Amen. Is it really an integral part of our life or is that something that we need to get back to? Is that something that we need to get straightened out in our life? The first thing I believe that he was trying to teach there, again, Matthew chapter 21, was simply that we need to get back to prayer 
It's not about us. It's not about who we are. It's all about what he wants to do as we pray, as we work together for him. Amen. The second thing I see here is simply this. In um, uh, verse number 14, notice what it says here. And it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now, this may be pretty simple, but I believe the second thing that he was trying to get the church to see is that we need to get back to the purpose of the church, a place to bring people so he can heal them. Yeah. Amen. You know, I, I know preacher, I know you've seen this. I know you've watched this through the years and I've seen this through the years, 27 years in evangelism now, but it used to be that there were always visitors and services. Why? Because our life, we were living it everywhere we were. Our, our witness, our Christian witness was greater. We were inviting people. We were bringing people in. And I know everybody tries to say today, well, it's a different world that we live in and everything. But if we were doing the job that we should do, we would be bringing more people into the church. Amen. Amen. I, I can remember days where you didn't get up, I didn't get up to preach unless there were visitors. In the, it was continual. But it's a rarity to see a visitor in church nowadays. Amen. Well, what are you saying? Uh, where is our passion to, for the purpose of what the church is all about. Well, the church is about Jesus healing people, amen? And the first step of healing people is for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, amen? Are we doing the work that we should be doing and trying to reach out and trying to encourage people to come where, I'm gonna make some statements here and, and don't brand me a heretic just because of the things that I'm saying here, but what's happened to the focus of trying to get people to come to church? Amen. Don't get me wrong, I'm all about soul winning. I really am. But I'm gonna tell you something, in 27 years in evangelism, I can tell you that statistics bear themselves out. If you can get people to come to church, there is a lot greater chance that they'll get the help that they need, that they can be healed, that they'll get hooked in and begin to grow in the Christian life the way that they should. Amen. I'm not against going soul winning and going door knocking and leading people to Christ, but we ought to be inviting people and trying to get people to come to church, amen. Why, because this is a healing place, amen. Uh, it should be the house of prayer and it should be the healing place where uh, people are brought and the Lord heals them and takes care of them. Uh, again, Oswald Chambers uh, made the statement, the supreme task of the church is the evangelization of the world. And he went on to say that that is a simultaneous commission. What do you mean? The commission goes for us here at home as well as it does uh, in, the, in our neighborhoods, as well as it does across the seas and everywhere. He said, you don't, uh, uh, you don't plant, uh, a farmer doesn't plant uh, a field and say, when that field gets done and I harvest it, then I'll go to the next field. And then when, that, when I go there and harvest that, then I'll go to the next field. He said, you don't do that. You plant it all at one time. Why? So that you can reap the greatest harvest. Amen. So, so the way to do that is to be involved in all of it continually. Yes, be involved in soul winning, but be involved in doing what you can do to try to invite people out to church. Amen. You get them to church, you get them to the healing place and the Lord does a work in their heart and in their life. Amen. I can tell you so many stories of, hey, I, I, we were just in a restaurant the other day and there was a lady at the restaurant there and uh, at home and uh, I, I gave a, uh, a track to her and, and uh, started to witness to her just a little bit and she said, oh, wait a minute. 
She said, where are you at? And she started asking questions. And, and, uh, and I told her where we were at. And, 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 uh, and she said, okay. And she walked away. She came back about five minutes later. She said, listen. She said, I've been trying to find a church to go to. I need to get baptized. And I said, you need to get baptized. I said, well, wait a minute. Have you ever been saved or born again? She said, yeah, I got, I got saved about three years ago. But obviously, she's not going to church anywhere or anything. She said, I really want to get baptized. And she said, when can I do that? <laughs> and so she started up this conversation. And, and I, so I started talking with her. And, and she said, well, Sundays, I can't come on Sundays. It's just, uh, it's difficult for me. I work at, at the restaurant on Sundays and all that. Anyway, we just saw her again. This was a month and a half ago. We just saw her again. She said, I'll be there Wednesday night. And, and I want to talk to your preacher about getting, hey, come to church. Let God work in your heart. Let God heal. If we can get more people to church, the, the Lord's going to do a greater work. I know it's contrary to a lot of things that we've, we've been maybe taught or heard, but I'm going to tell you, this is the healing place. Amen. This is supposed to be like a hospital. Amen. This is where the Lord works in hearts and lives. I, I can tell you that uh, I've shared that story before about uh, um, that uh, man that got saved in the revival that I preached down in Texas and he came to church sat on the back row of the church, big old burly guy with a big old beard and long hair and everything. And uh, the reason he came that Sunday morning was his daughter had been persisting after her. Daddy, would you please come to church with me? Would you please? No way he was gonna talk to anybody. He said, I would never, I'd slam doors on people. I wouldn't talk to nobody. But my little girl asked me if I would come to church. So he came that morning. God broke his heart. Man, he came to the altar, got saved that day. God transformed his life. When you, hey, he, what's he doing today? That, that was to, almost 20 years ago. He's an evangelist today. Amen. Praise God. What are you saying? It's because his little daughter cared enough to try to get daddy to church. How much do we care about getting people to church? It's the healing place. Amen. We've got to bring people to the Lord. Amen. Yes. Be a soul winner. Yes, go out there and tell people about the Lord. Yes, witness to people. And I do that in the churches that I go to and travel and all that. But the greatest majority of the influence that's seen is when people will come to a church, the healing place, and the Lord does a work in their heart. Can, can you just perceive it this way? And when a person goes out and we knock on doors and we go two by two or or, or whatever, even if you go by yourself and you knock on doors and you witness to somebody, the Holy Spirit's working through you to be a witness to them. But just think of it in the light when a person walks in the doors of a church and you've got a multitude of people that the Holy Spirit is living in. And if those people are living the way they ought to be living, the Holy Spirit is empowered in the, in the church. And the influence on the people is much greater when they come into the church than it is when you go out and knock on doors and talk to people. I'm not saying don't go soul winning. I'm just saying we need to get them to church. Amen. What's happened to those days? We don't even talk about it anymore. But I'm going to tell you, again, in evangelism, it's been a long time since I've been to churches where we get visitors in on Sunday mornings. I'm preaching, I'm preaching revivals in, around the country in good churches, but we don't have visitors. It's not God's fault. Amen. Don't try to pawn it off on the bad society today either. Amen. I think if we were doing the job that we ought to be doing, getting refocused on getting people to church, God will do a greater work in their lives. Amen. How important it is. 
I was just in West Virginia preaching a revival in West Virginia. And a guy came up to me and got talking with him a little bit there. And uh, he's been in church now for uh, seven, eight years. Same situation as what I just said about the other guy. What? My child started riding the buses and they kept after me and kept after me and kept after me. The people would come to my door and they'd talk with me, but I didn't want anything to do with that. I wouldn't listen to them. But my child persisted after me. And I finally came and I said, okay, I'll come one night. It was a revival meeting. He said, I'll come one night. He said, I came that one night, I got saved. I came back again the next night, next night. Now I remember the church. He, uh, he's a teacher, Sunday school teacher in the church and everything. Why? He came to church. He came to the healing place and God worked in his life and transformed it. Amen. Amen. I think we need to refocus on that a little bit today. Amen. <laughs> About how important it is not uh, to get back to being a house of prayer, but also uh, getting back to understanding the purpose and the purpose is to bring people to the one who can heal them. Amen. And the third thing is simply this. In um, verse number 15, if you would, it says, and when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Yeah, the chief priest and the scribes were not believers and they could, they uh, stood against the Lord. But it says in verse 16, and he said unto him, uh, hearest thou what these say? Uh, uh, and, uh, and Jesus said unto them, saith unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and, and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? So they were trying to beat down the praise that Jesus was receiving over this. And Jesus was trying to tell them, haven't you ever heard out of the mouth of babes? That out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? What was he trying to get across here? I think he was trying to get across and get back to praising him for what he's done in our life and, and also for simply who he is. Amen. And church is all about that, giving him the praise, the honor, and the glory for who he is and for what he's done for us. Amen. When's the last time that you praised him for what he's done for you? Isn't it interesting how we can always pick out the things that are going wrong in our life? We can always pick out the things that are that are how we've been defeated or how I've had to go through this and I've had to go through that and I've had to go through that rather than saying, God, you've been so good to me. God, you have blessed me so. You've given me so much and you've taken care of me and you've been, boy, we ought to get back to praising him more. Amen. That's another thing I find in churches as I travel. What, uh, uh, we're not as vocal as we used to be. We don't praise the Lord the way we used to praise the Lord. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with shouting amen. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with shouting glory to God. Hallelujah. People say, oh, I don't want to be charismatic. Oh, I don't think you got nothing to worry about. Just start doing it. Amen. Start praising his name. Why? Because he's worthy of it. Amen. He's worthy of our praise unto him and to lift him up and to exalt him. I, I, uh, just think about this, the, the like passage over in John chapter 19. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said here in this same passage in a different gospel. In John chapter 19 and verse number 37, here's what it says. It says in, uh, uh, let me see here. Am I in the right passage? Uh, I might be in the wrong passage. How did I get, I wrote the wrong, you ever write the wrong scripture down, preacher? <laughs> okay, what I'm looking for, and it's right in here somewhere, in this same like passage where it says that, he says if, if, they, should, if they should be silent, the rocks would cry out. Yeah. Now you think about that. 
the Lord says, if they're going to be silent, my creation of the rocks will cry out and praise me. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are the rocks going to praise him more than you and I? Are we going to keep our mouths shut and not give him the glory and honor that's due unto him? Hey Amen. There's a day coming where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Amen. We're going to be praising him. Hey, that's part of what eternity is all about. Amen. Praising him, giving him the honor and glory that's due unto him. Psalm 69 and verse 34 says, let the heaven and the earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth therein. Amen. What do you mean? The Lord loves praise. And it ought to be that the house of God is a place of praise for him. Amen. Look back in Psalm uh, 148. I, I love these Psalms. Psalm 148. Notice what it says here in um, Psalm 148 and verse number, verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. He's talking about the sun and the moon and the stars and everything, giving praise unto him. Man, we surely ought to be giving praise to the Lord. Hey, they're inanimate objects. But he said they would praise him. Why can't we who can communicate with him praise him the way that we ought to this morning? Amen. I'm gonna tell you what, if we praised more, if we had a greater voice for the Lord, we'd have a greater witness for the Lord. We ought to be doing it not just here, but as we're out and about. I love Psalm 150. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. We ought to be praising the Lord the way that he's deserving of. How about us today? Revelation chapter five, it tells us, verse 11 and 12, there worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy of our praise today. If there's something missing today in the church, we need to get back to being a house of prayer. If there's something missing in the church today, we need to get back to the purpose of the church. What? Bring people to the healer. Amen. Bring people to the great physician. Amen. So that he can heal them, so they can be saved, so that they can have that home in heaven. And then we need to get back to praising him the way that we should. Again, I say, are we going to let inanimate objects praise him more than we do? We should be praising him daily for who he is. We should be praising him daily for what he's done for us too. Amen. Has he saved your soul? Listen, you say, well, I, I thanked him for that years ago. Yeah, he'd probably like to hear it again too. <laughs> he'd, he'd probably like to hear you praise him again for saving your wicked soul. Amen. What are you saying, man? We ought to be praising him for saving us. We ought to be praising him for what he does for us it, even throughout our lives, every day of our lives, the things that he does for us, how he provides the food that we, how he's given us the opportunity to be a, 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 a Christian in America today. 
you say, wait a minute, look at our country. Wait a minute, look at our country. Look at all the blessings that we still have and the opportunities that we still have. And if there's ever been a day and age where a country needs the Lord more than ever, it's now. But we ought to praise him for the opportunity to be here at this point in time. Hey, we can be the voice for him. We can lift our voice up to him. We can help try to draw people to him. Are we doing that today? We need a revival today. When Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, he came in and and we look at it as the time where it was worshiping him for who he was and, and we should consider that part of it. That's the way the people look to him. But I'm gonna tell you the way that he looked at Palm Sunday was there's some things that need to be straightened out in the church. We need to get some things back. What? We need to get back to being the house of prayer. Quit, quit thinking that church is all about you and meeting your needs and everything. And get back to being a house of prayer. And get, get back to, uh, again, trying to bring people in and trying to let the, the healer do what he can do. Amen. It's not, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And then get back to praising him the way that we should. How about you today? Would that speak to your heart if the Lord spoke that to us today? Is there something in your life that's not right quite where it should be? Hey, maybe you've just simply failed to pray the way that you should pray. Um, again, John R. Rice used to say all our failures are prayer failures. I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of our failures. I don't know that all of them, but there's a lot of our failures that are prayer failures. If we would just communicate with God and pray and so many things would go so much better. Are you working on people? Trying to get people to church? Well, I go out on the soul winning program. That, that's good. But are you trying to get people to church? Amen. 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 And are you praising them the way you should? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here today and speak for just a few moments about what happened on Palm Sunday 